One moon pie to rule them all. One moon pie to find them. One moon pie to bring them all and in the chocolate bind them. Hey y'all, it's time for another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. Today, the guys review Lord of the Rings, Journeys in Middle-Earth. They also talk about evolution and oceans. Welcome to another episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode number 168, Dueling Banjos. I'm Tony. This is Marty. <laughs> oh, yes, and you don't even have to ask why that song was picked for this episode, do you, Marty? You know exactly why. I know exactly why. Then tell our audience why. <laughs> Sheesh. Because <laughs> this past weekend, I got to go to the infamous, or is it famous? Both you're work. More than, you're more than famous. You're infamous. Rob Con, Rob being... Uh, Rob Rouse from Blue Peg, Pink Peg, who does this event every year where he rents a cabin in the woods and invites a few people out to this cabin to play some board games. And I had the honor of attending this year. And before this episode, I had worried that uh, I didn't know what was going to happen, what I was walking into. So the Dueling Banjos theme uh, pretty much fit, except that it was nothing like that. It was a it was a lot tamer than I thought it was going to be. Well, of course, you're out there playing video games. I mean, video games. Um, beautiful board games. You're not going to go out there and get all wild and mess up somebody's game. They know your spill tactics. They're not going to let, let open drinks near you. I don't know. I guess the wildest thing uh, was one night they played, uh, what was it called? Drunken Tales of Arabian Nights. I don't know. They said that was tradition where late at night they sit around and have a couple beers and play this game. And a lot of people were getting loud. I did not participate in that, but that seemed to be the the wildest thing to happen. Otherwise, it was basically three or four days of a, a bunch of guys sitting in the cabin playing games for about 18 hours a day. Uh, first off, Rob getting louder. That's... Kind of hard to imagine. Well, he wasn't in that game. Okay, very good. That's good to know. And also the fact that you released on our Facebook page at Rolling Dice Taking Names the last will and testament of Marty. Yes. And so, and then of course, when they were much, uh, I think we got up to close to maybe $80. We offered Rob to throw you in the lake. Wait a minute. I didn't hear about this. You didn't hear about this? No. Uh, yeah. He posted some stuff on, um, it was either, I don't know, Twitter, Facebook, some, one of those social media things. And I chimed in and I said, you know, if you release a video of throwing my co-host in the lake, I'll give you $20. Someone chimed in. I'll make, I'll, I'll, I'll give $20. Too. So we're at 40. Then we got to 60. And I and I lost track of uh, the Twitter by then. But who knows? We could have been up to 200, but you didn't get into the lake. I did not get in the lake, but it was a very nice facility. It was at a state park up in Virginia. Uh, it was a beautiful park. The cabin was right on this, this lake. And uh, the weather was super nice. So we uh, grilled out one night. And aside from playing board games, one exciting thing I got to do was go play disc golf. Oh, God, I miss disc golf. Yeah, there was a disc golf course about four miles from uh, where we were staying. It was uh, uh, myself, Rob, David Waybright from Man vs. Meeple, Josh, who used to be the co-host on Blue Peg Pink Bag, and another listener, uh, uh, TJ, all went out to play uh, disc golf. So there's five of us playing. It was a blast. Number one, this course was super hard. It was 18 holes. The first uh, nine holes were all in the woods. 
and then it opened up on the back nine. And I got to say, Mr. David Waybright of Man vs. Meeple, that guy can fling a disc. Well, the man has a hole-in-one to his credit. Does he? I didn't realize that. Yes, he has a hole-in-one to his credit. And also, I mean, I wish he... Did he give you pointers? Because I would like to get back into that. But I know I cannot fling a disc like I used to fling a disc. <laughs> he actually did to give, give some pointers. because, And he can't, He was so humble about, dude, it's this disc. I got this awesome driver. It's like, whatever, dude. You can keep saying it's the disc. And what was so amazing is, you know, I put the leg and weight into it he literally barely even steps into his throw it's all like in his wrist and everything anyway he he did an amazing job what was embarrassing was how bad i played i have not played this bad in forever and it got to the point where instead of them picking on me they were treating me like somebody at the special olympics to where when i actually did a semi-distant throw they went yeah marty that was good marty that was a good throw own it Take ownership. When was the last time you played? Well, it was a year ago, but so, but still, it was it was so funny because I thought I was the one that organized this. I thought, oh, cool, I'm going to get to go out there and play disc golf, and I just made an absolute fool of myself. I did not throw well at. Uh, I think I came in dead last. Basically, it was uh, David, uh, David and TJ who were like in one pack, and then me, Rob, and Josh were in, were in the back of the pack. But it w- it was a fun time, and that was one of those things that was really cool because lots of times when I get together with with these guys, what do you sit around and do? You play board games, so it was really cool doing something different, mm-hmm. uh, and then sitting around and playing board games. But I did get some board games in, and guess what? I finally got to play Wingspan from Stonemire Games. Which you can, by the way, pre-order on Miniature Market now. So you know this game has been getting a lot of hype. <laughs> yeah. What? I, I, I'm throwing in plugs here and you're just blowing over them. That's okay. Oh, well, no. That's perfect. What, do I have to pontificate on the plugs as they come no, out? No, no, that's yes. fine. Why don't you head over to MiniatureMarket.com to go check out the pre-order. Oh, okay, fine. Good, good point. Yes. So... Wingspan got pretty little eggs, beautiful art. Everybody's going to go gaga over it, and it's going for like ridiculous prices out there on the eBay internet. On eBay. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So, and what did you think of it? I thought it was a solid little game. To me, it didn't really do anything new that other games do. Uh, I think the theme was what's uh, really cool. You got a, a hand of birds and on your turn, you it's a, I'm kind of like a worker placement game. You can put a worker down and, and put a bird into play. And if you put a, a bird into play, it may have a passive ability that can do different things. The next time you activate a row, you put it in, there's a row for getting, putting out uh, birds. There's a, I mean, there's a row for getting resources to attract the birds. There's a row that give you eggs for putting eggs in a bird's nest. And then there's a third row, which just gives you more cards from the deck for a bigger hand of cards and more birds that you can play. So it's really kind of a, an engine building game. The more birds you get out on the table, the more resources, the little different types of food you're going to need to get those birds. But when the birds are out and you activate a row of birds, you get to activate all the abilities on the bird. So there's a little bit of worker placement, a little bit of engine building. Again, it's really nothing new. It's just done well. And the theme is really, really unique. And I think it's one of those that uh, for people uh, who wouldn't get into like you know, your typical, let's play a resource collection game where I got to collect wood and stone and fur and turn them in for gold and all that. It has a more uh, palpable theme that people who really aren't into board games might understand better. Well, let me ask you this. If you had a bird in hand, was it better than two in the bush? It was way better okay. than two in the bush. Well, that's, that's good to hear. Uh, that they, they stick to that theme. 
All right, because that was a very important theme to get in there. Yeah, so I got to play that and uh, enjoy my time with that. Got to teach uh, Call to Adventure, oh, uh, which was yeah. fun fun to play in. Yeah, and everybody that uh, played really, really enjoyed that game, too. So that was uh, that was cool. It's fun to play that again. And, of course, it's funny. There's one other person that had played, or was one of the two people that had played. They all did the same rule. When the game is over, you have to tell your story. So we all went around and told our little story. And it was so funny. At the beginning of the game, I was picking cards to start with that I thought would make a nice narrative as opposed to something that would help me win the game. Well, I mean, after we talked about that game, Call to Adventure, you know, I started thinking about I'm I'm a believer in this game from the standpoint that it would replace role player. But, I, you know, at first I was kind of hesitant on it. But the more and more mm-hmm. I started... I, thought about it. I said, you know, I'd really like to try that game again and again to just see the mechanics come through. Now, did you have as much luck casting the stones as you did uh, previously or casting the runes or the whatever they were called? Well, last time I played, I had horrible luck. Mm-hmm. Is I think what's referring to. I had normal luck this time. <laughs> so I think I actually won the game. Oh, nice. And what were you? I was a farmer who was recruited to be in the king's army that ended up being a mighty conqueror. Remind me to come back to our play by forum on Board Game Geek with our um D&D session that we got going. We got to come, I want to come back to that. So I'm holding you to reminding me to that. Okay. It's in the show notes that people don't think we have. Okay. I better go pull those up. So anyway. (laughs) All right. Also, I finally got taught how to play Crokinole. Oh, I want to make one of those boards. Have you ever played before? No, but it's, but it's really pretty. Yeah, it is. And it's a fun game. Um, you know, sliding little pegs across or a little disc across the board. And it almost has the the shuffle board or a curling type thing, right? Mm-hmm. You try to get into a scoring position, try to knock other people out and stuff. They did a little tournament. Hey, and for my first time ever playing, I got past the first round. So I didn't get knocked out first game. I didn't think that was too bad. No, that's not. So so you weren't somebody stepping stone? I was not. Very good. I was not. I, uh, I actually knocked somebody out. And there's some really good players uh, watching other people play. But I, I get the appeal of the game and the board is nice and people were telling me you know mayday games sells the really nice boards mm-hmm. and they uh what's cool is is in the middle of the board they have the pegs when you slide the disc across you got to get it in between the pegs and stuff and they said they got it such that mayday has it where you can hang the board on the wall and they put a clock right in the middle that the pegs will hold it in place then it just looks like a clock on the wall which is kind of cool is it functional as a clock it's a real clock and then when you're just ready to play you take the clock out of the middle of it and you take the board down and play did you bring one home? No, uh, no. Okay. Hey, but you know what? If uh, Secret Cabal does one of their big meetups again this year at Gen Con, they usually have one they give away. I'm, I don't think I'm eligible for entry in that. And I don't know how we would get it back on the plane. So, you know, it all kind of works out. There is shipping. We can always ship. Oh, that's so. true. That sucker's heavy, though. Yeah, it is. That's a heavy board. That's why I always wanted to make one, try to try my talents at woodworking and see if I can cut a circle and things like that. Don't think I can, but, you know, it's worth a try. Did you get to play anything else? Anything else that would, you know, that stood out in your mind that people should go check out? <laughs> Jeez. What? <laughs> Talk about leading the witness. Hey, well, yes, Tony. I did happen to play something that somebody else might want to check out. And what was that, Marty? <laughs> It's a game that's currently on Kickstarter from Gray Fox Games. It's called, I don't know how to pronounce it correctly, Sukuyumi? Sure. T-S-U-K-U-Y-U-M-I. This is a remake of a game that came out uh, earlier. Uh, It's an area-controlled dudes-on-a-map game. 
where uh, the previous game was uh, standees, uh, and they're being replaced with super nice miniatures and stuff. Like I said, it's currently on Kickstarter, and we'll have a link to it in our show notes. We will. I see there, there, Tony taking a note. Put a link to this in the show yes. notes. Yeah, so I got to check this out. Now, I, I will say I'm not a big dudes on the map area control fan. I've tried lots of them. They're okay. But there's a lot of player interaction, and sometimes you know, you get the thing, and it happened this time. It's like, why are you attacking me? I'm dead last. Go after the leader. You know, that crap kind of always happens. But there is a some really cool mechanics in this game. One, it has card drafting. You know, we like our card drafting. Always. Always like our card drafting. At the beginning of the game, everybody's going to get five cards, and they're going to take one of those cards that they're going to use that round. The game only plays in like four rounds. And you're going to take the other four cards and pass them to the player to your left, but they're not going to look at them until the next round. On that card, there's uh, could be up to like four different phases. There's like a blue phase, a red phase, a green phase, and then the white phase. And whoever is first player, they activate the white phase first, which lets you do things like move a guy, take a combat action, maybe get some resources. But that's the same for every person. What's different is the blue, the green, and the red phases. And then starting with the going in player order, you'll activate everything on the blue phase. Then everybody will do their green phase uh, which may be like activate the the NPCs of the game. They're called Oni, uh, which uh, you can use to uh, attack other players. They just kind of sit in the middle of the board, but anybody can kind of control them. And then finally, everybody activates in their red phase. Maybe that is, uh, you know, moving your guys around the board and then doing attacks. Attacks are really straightforward in that there's no dice involved. You just add up all your guys' strength in one of the sectors, compare it against the other guy's strength in the sector, see who wins. But another nice thing is, too, it's not you don't necessarily have to fight somebody else. You could go in and just conquer the area. So somebody standing in a zone, you can go in there and go, I'm not going to fight you, but I see my conquest points are greater than yours. So I'm just going to take over this zone, which could be a potential victory point at the end of the game. So I kind of like that is you don't have to beat somebody to take it over. You could just go in there and say, well, I happen to have a faction. And by the way, all the factions are asymmetric. They all play totally different. Okay. And you go in there and, you know, just take over the area or, or knock somebody out too. So again, it's, it's a typical models or miniatures on a map area control type game, but the way the actions play out with the card drafting and the activating of the phases was, was really cool. So if, if that sounds interesting to you, go check out the Kickstarter Sukuyumi from Gray Fox games is currently out right now. There's too much on Kickstarter. I 100% agree. There is a, there is a lot on Kickstarter. Wow. I'm just looking at this. They are way overfunded, but anyway, so it's got a lot of nice miniatures now, but it's interesting, Tony. Uh, we talked about this on our forums. The standees have all the stats on them. So it's very easy to look at the map and go, okay, well, there's my guy and I see his stats on him. With the miniatures, you're going to have to refer to another chart or table to see what the strength of them is. The standees don't look as nice, but being able to just look at one spot and get everything you need to know about the, about the model is pretty good. That is pretty neat. I mean, I've always liked that feature of it, of it, when I say of it, of being able to see those stats without having to dig for stuff, mm-hmm. rifling through papers, things like that. That's always nice. So anyway, that was uh, kind of cool. And the other big game I got to play is something we're going to be talking a lot about in this episode, and that is Lord of the Rings Journeys to Middle-Earth. Okay. Journeys of, uh, of Middle Earth. You're the one who got it. I don't, don't be looking at me like I need to know. 
I, I don't know. It's Lord. It's a Lord's of the Rings game about fantasy flight games. Okay. Yeah, that's exactly right. That you, me, Nate, and Mark will be talking about in a segment coming up from our Scurry Report, where we're going to be doing a deep dive into this game as FFG was kind enough to send us a copy early because we basically got into gaming because of Lord of the Rings. Yes. And so anything with Lord of the Rings on it, we're immediately interested in. They said, well, then you guys need to check this out. So we got it. So we're going to uh, be talking about it later on. So I'll do a deep dive into that later. But the first time I ever got to play was at RobCon. Nice. And do you know the rules? Uh, yes, I do. Did you create a flow chart? Okay, this is, uh, let's, let's, let's pull back the curtain. We're recording this <laughs> before we sit down and do an extended play session and do our scurry report. But Tony is just blowing up out of the water. He's, he's not making it sound like that, oh, this is all just going to flow one piece together. He's making it sound like he hasn't played because he hasn't played yet. <sighs> oh, I see. With the way you were talking. I'm sorry. I was distracted. By what? I just got an email from AMC Theater saying, we're sorry, we have problems with our website, and we you couldn't buy tickets to Avengers Endgame. Our bad. I know you got tickets for Avengers Endgame, which is coming up um, you know, on April 25th. No, I don't. You don't have them? Oh, that's right. You're going to a theater that nobody knows about. Yep. Which is in Monroe, North Carolina. Shut up. Okay. So anyway... <laughs> Rebecca texted me, which y'all heard on the last episode, said that, um, hey, daddy, I'm going to go to Avengers Endgame. You and mom need to go. Let's get tickets. I said, fine. Tell me when you're going. I couldn't get on the website. The app wasn't working. And she's like, okay. Text me back. I can't get on. She says, I finally got tickets. I said, great. What time do I need to get? She goes, 10 p.m. You know, it's a three-hour movie, right? And I said, and it's a three-hour movie? That puts us out at 1.30 a.m. I said, your mama is not going to go to a 10 p.m. movie about superheroes. You and I would. <laughs> but not her. And they were having so much trouble. I still, I couldn't get tickets at all because their site was down. How can you have the biggest movie coming out, releasing tickets and not be ready for it? That's like amateurish. This is the number one draft for the Rolling Dice and Taking Names movie episode. We all know it. And yet your website goes down. How is that possible? I don't have an answer. You don't? Okay. Yeah, so I went out and looked at my secret theater. Yeah, they still have tickets available at 6 p.m., so I'm good. And you're not going to uh, pre-order them, are you? Hey, I can save money on because you got to pay a convenience fee, so I can save money. See, AMC, I'm a premier member. I pay my yearly fee, and I don't have to pay that. Well, see, I don't, I don't, I'm not a premier member, and I don't have to pay a convenience fee. So I still come out ahead. I get a free popcorn and Coke. Ah, no, I don't get that. But we spend enough at this theater where we get points till I get one about every other visit. There you go. That's the way to do it. You're right. I, so I pull back the curtain. May it sound like I hadn't played it and I hadn't, but that's okay. <laughs> but I'm going to. Wow. Oh my gosh. So we just wrapped all the way back to before this talk about in <laughs> game. <laughs> yeah. See, you could have been drafting another co-host while you were at RobCon. You could have been like I was drafting a co-host thinking you weren't coming back. And by the way, by the way, I still have a list of names for all those who submitted their applications. So I'm going to file those away just in case anything else were to happen and the future for rolling dice and taking names. Oh, good. Because you, you may need it sometime. Actually, when you said our name rolling dice, it reminded me you taught me what may be one of the best roll and write games I've ever played, and I'm not a fan of roll and write games. I didn't know Mark Kell wasn't a fail, who will be in the scurry port later. <laughs>
<laughs> that has not been recorded because we've not gotten together to play the game yet that we will be talking about and we had to play several times before we could talk about it but we're just recording this one particular intro very early uh, the magic it's gone forget about it. but it's the magic gone. is totally gone and i'll go ahead and, and reveal something else too the segment after this the outro is also being recorded now which is several days before we actually get together to play lord of the rings and then record the scurry report so just the timeline's all screwed up it's kind of like the firefly timeline when fox released it which by the way rebecca watched the first episode tonight i'm so proud did she write watch the right first episode yes she watched uh train wreck or train train oh god now i can't train robbery train job train job that one yes that is not the right first episode which is the right first it's the one. Oh my gosh it's the one that says oh my gosh yes it's serenity serenity is the first episode that's not what i had on plex unbelievable People, see what I got to deal with? Wait a minute. That's how Fox screwed up. The first episode they showed was Train Job, which was actually the second episode of the show. And then they showed the premiere of the show later in the season, and that's called Serenity. But Serenity wasn't on the list. Well, then you don't have it because it's the whole thing of how basically it started. The very first scene of Firefly should be where they're on the planet fighting. And that's what we watched. Well, then that's not Train Job. Then it's mislabeled on the plaque. Train job is where, well, it kind of says what it is. They're actually on a train. Yeah, that's what I thought. And they're stealing something off of a train. So it was the actual premiere because it was an hour and a half. That's correct. Yes. Then you are good. You saw the actual premiere. Because they were loading up a book and yes, Simon and everybody else was coming on. So yeah, I saw, we saw the right one. But I'm like, when I clicked on it, I said, this is the one where they're robbing the train. That's not right. But when it started out and they were on the planet and they were pretty too pretty to die, this is the right one. Then, then you're right. It was mislabeled. Everything is A-OK, but that Castles of Burgundy dice game you taught me. It's shiny. <laughs> yeah, so that's the game I was talking about. Gosh, we are all over the place. Timelines are all screwed up. People think that we record things sequentially. We don't record them sequentially. I'm trying to talk about this dice game. The next thing I know, he's saying he's watching Train Job, but it wasn't really Train Job. It was Serenity, what it should have been. I tell you what, why don't you snap your fingers on your Infinity Gauntlet and put the whole timeline back together? I wish I could. Which which stone is that? I guess that would be the time zone. I mean, it's time gym, whatever so, it is. Castles of Burgundy was sent to us a very, very enjoyable, enjoyable dice roller. Who's it by? It's by Ravensburg. Ravensburger or Ravensburger? Sure. Yeah, so you and I got to play at Bojangles. Yeah. You had played this game, and you got it out and, and taught the game to me. What I loved about this game was uh, I've been playing the uh, the app of uh, Castles of Burgundy that came out on Steam recently. So I was kind of really familiar with the rules as I've been playing it. As you were teaching the rules, I swear they kind of taught themselves because everything made total sense with how the dice were rolled, how you activate the dice, what the different uh, tiles on the uh, the board did. It all just made total sense. I thought, this is brilliant. This is one of the best implementations of a board game done in dice form I've ever seen. One of my favorite things about this is you have the three distinct rounds, but when they end is based on the die being rolled, the hourglass. Yes. And how you can have you know, two or one, obviously that's how it's done, but still, so you 
may not have enough because at the end of each round, you're going to score how well you're doing on building your kingdom out of these dice. You're rolling five dice and two of the dice have colors on them, which indicate the various properties on the board. And the Mm -hmm. other ones represent numbers. Imagine that. Dice have numbers. Yes. Of course, we have the capability of a worker that lets you change a dice to any number. Which is kind of different than the board game, because the board game is you just can use a worker to increment and decrement it by one. But in this game, a worker changes it to anything you want. Right. We have the mines that give you silver that allow you to create, to be able to do an action two times. Then you have purple, or I call it, I think it was called the monastery, if I'm not mistaken. Um, And basically, it allows you to change to any color. Yes. So when you roll the dice, you pick a color and a number. Then you have the sailing capability where you would get a merchant cargo, which comes in later. It gives you, when you sell cargo, it gives you silver and also two victory points. And that cargo is sold at the end of the round. No, it's ro- it's sold when you roll the hourglass blue dice. Yes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was totally wrong. It's scoring done at the end of the round. Scoring is done at the end of the round. That is absolutely right. And then to be able to mark the various types of uh, items on the board, the mines, the monasteries, the sailing, the townships, you have various rules. For instance, if you want to mark a town you can use any number you want want as long as it's an orange dice the problem is the town beside it it doesn't want to be like the town it's next to it needs to be a different number Mm -hmm. and there are just various rules like that the monastery you can only mark that if you have purple die and a one or two um the mine three or four and sailings five or six yeah and then there was one section where the numbers had to match exactly that was the farms and anytime you you uh picked a spot on your board you wrote down what number of die that you used because like you said that needs to be tracked over time because if i use a five for a farm the uh one the farm tile beside of it that i may pick later on must also be done with the five right and why is that important because to in order to build a castle a castle has to equal one of the numbers around it so that's why you're Mm trying and then whoever completes all of a certain color get bonus victory points like in the regular board game there you go i loved it dude i absolutely loved it and and cannot wait to play again and again i'm not a huge roll and write fan because to me it seems not God, I hate to say push your luck because there's so many out there right now. It just seems like the ones I've played, there's a little bit of push your luck. To me, there was some really good strategy in this one. Oh, I, yeah. I don't know, man. It just it just really clicked for me. Oh, I understand. And uh, I agree with you. I really enjoyed it. I mean, this one is as challenging. And I know you probably haven't played the app or in the, the actual game has not made it to the stage yet. Uh, the follow-up to Gon Sean Clever is twice as clever. Yes. That one's intense too. I don't know if you'll like that one, but we've been playing a mess out of that app. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And oh, and by the way, you, the winners, whoever scores the most victory points, the way you score victory points is when you complete segments like two mines. If you complete it, complete it in the first round, you get so many points. If you complete three, a uh, three series set there, you get eight points. And as the rounds progress, of course, those victory points get less and the maps are different, which is just like the board game. It's exact same, exact same thing. That's where when you were explaining, it I went, "Yep, that makes sense. Yep, I totally see that." So, if you're looking for a good roll and write game, and you know the thing is now to come out with dice games based on you know board games, heavier board games. Honestly, this this is one of the better ones, and it's dirt cheap, isn't it? It's like twenty twenty five bucks. It's not very expensive. It's not very expensive at all. No, yeah. So yeah. So. Once again, that's a highly recommend for Marty. Yeah, big time. And if you don't like the dice 
that are in here. Kickstarter plug coming up. Are you ready for it? You ready for it? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, go All for right. it. Double Six Dice. They are producing a new series of dice that we talked about a long time ago by Matt Fleming. It's now on Kickstarter where you can replace your cubes with D12s. We have a whole bunch of those here at Rolling Dice and Taking Names. All right, my Kickstarter plug's done. <laughs> no, the Double Six Dice. Double Six Dice, yep. It's out there on yeah, Kickstarter. Yeah, I, I love those things. They're D, yeah, like you said, they're D12s. And D12 is one of my favorite die because it rolls really well. Uh, there's a lot of cool math you can do with it with a D12, but with the double sixes, basically there's basically one through six pips twice. <laughs> really? One through six. So, wait a minute, let me get one this through straight. six twice. Go ahead, do the math for me. So there's six sides, and they're yeah, doing. No, there's twelve sides. And now there's twelve sides, so there's two of each of the. Okay, I'm with you. I, I'm good with so that. So there's two of each of the numbers, one through six. Wow, that's a lot better. Don't they have some, too, that's also break, broke down in fours? There's like basically the equivalent of three D4s? Uh, not in this Kickstarter. He's uh, Oh, there's not? He's putting new colors out. He's doing things like uh, that. He pulled one of Chaz's proponent component yeah. videos. He, he he put that back in the video. Yeah, I actually still got some of those. So, yeah, that's that's... I, I like those dice. The, those those were really good. Yeah, I pull them out when dice aren't playing very nice. But now it doesn't have to be dice, physical dice, play by forum, RPG that we're doing. My rolls stink. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so in that last uh, episode, we talked about we were starting to do a D and D one shot scenario on uh, BGG on the play by forums where somebody's a GM and they basically run the game for us, and we just go in there and do our posts. And we're now into the game, probably several days into the game. We're doing our first combat right now. And everything is, you know, we built our, our character. The uh, GM was nice and helped us build our character. We got all the stats and everything. And if you haven't ever used uh, the dice roll mechanic in BGG, with each form post, you can create like a little, I guess, a formula for rolling dice. Mm-hmm. So we can do a skill check. You can go, hey, I'm going to do a 1D20. I'm going to add my attribute and do 1D20 plus 3. And when you submit the forum post, it does a random number generator for you. And then that's, you know, all your dice rolls are based based upon that. And no, you're not you're not rolling that well. But I am kind of enjoying it. I'm, I'm kind of still wrapping my mind around how the play-by-form works and how you post and get stuff accomplished. But I'm starting to grab it. Oh, I've, I've enjoyed it because I'm enjoying just typing my story for... <laughs> Dower Grimax, Dwarf Paladin. Yep, and I am uh, Linmar, a human ranger. Mm-hmm. So somebody sent me a grumpy dwarf. I posted it up on our signatures, and you will see our signatures that we use in the post. I'll put those out on our splash page. But what's a bugbear? Uh, it's a uh, type of uh, creature in D&D. No. Like, an, you know, you've heard of owlbear? Yes. Owlbear, bugbear, it's just it's just. Cre- and when he, when he posted a picture of it today, I, I kind of laughed. I thought... I see where he's going with the story, and I don't want to spoil it because I think this is a is a kind of a known scenario. Mm-hmm. This isn't a homebrew, so I'm not going to say what's happening. But when he like, there's some there's some story elements he's dropped in, and then in our first encounter, we went, okay, that's kind of funny. Oh yeah, and I appreciate our um, pop pledge backers who are helping me navigate through this because you're right, our, our GM did an amazing job helping me with build my paladin character, ask me various questions. I'm like, dude, I don't know. Just tell me what I need to do here, what numbers I need to put where. And he talked me through that, and I appreciate that, as well as um, Willie over on our um, forums. He really has helped me develop that character to know what I really want to do with a paladin. And Marty, I even watched a YouTube video on playing a D&D paladin. What has become of me? <laughs> 
RPGs are fun. One of these days, we're actually going to get ours, ours done. Well, that'd be nice if y'all would show up and weren't out gallivanting around to the various parts of West Virginia. Here, here we go. Here we go. All right, that's fine, fine. We're just going to... That, 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 that's it. I'm ready to move on. I'm not, because I'm reading you some of Dower Grimax's beautiful verse <laughs> from the RPG. I am fine battling these peoples and sending them back to the void, but shouldn't we consider that hole in the wall where we can escape our lives? Must we battle these things? Shouldn't it be escape with our lives? That too? My, okay. my, my phone didn't rotate as I was reading it, so I don't remember exactly what I typed. But I'm having fun with the, the um, being in character. That's fun. So anyway, that's enough about uh, D&D. Now, I'm sure you know Broken Token makes some amazing organizers for many different games, but did you also, they make some great accessories for your games. They make card holders, they make dice towers, they make terrain for miniature gaming, they have like accessories for card games like Keyforge, which I have. They also have paint racks for holding your paint and brushes while you paint, so they do a lot more than just game organizers. And if you want to see all those things that they offer, all you have to do is go over to that website, which is one that Tony can actually remember, thebrokentoken.com. Tony, you've been on a tear teaching me games. Yes, you taught me uh, Castles of Burgundy, the dice game, but you recently taught me another game that you have played, but somehow I've missed the Evolution board game from North Star Games. We got together with uh, Nate and Mark, and when we were learning the rules for this game, I remember Nate said, okay, Marty, I just want to let you know, this is a really simple game. It's kind of an intro game. And you were like, yeah, yeah, it's it's nothing. You, you guys kind of downplayed it. It was almost like, what is this, like a Haba game or something? Dude, I really enjoyed that game. You You guys undersold it. You undersold it as like almost like an entry level, really easy game that anybody can play. But I got a kick out of that game. And what made you get a kick out of this game? I, I don't know. Number one, the theme is cool. The fact that you're kind of creating, um, using cards to create a creature, and then you can change the attributes of that creature. You can give them things where like they they generate more food each turn. And I like the concept of you have a creature, and then you can increase the the size of that creature. So that they collect more food or they need more food to eat, but you can also increase the population. So the bigger the population, the more food you're going to have to feed them. But what I loved was the fact that you could make a creature a carnivore. So now instead of going to the middle of the board where food is put at the beginning of the of each round for the different herbivores to try to collect, the carnivores go after the other creatures on the board and get their food that way by collecting meat. I don't know. It was just the whole experience was just fun. And it's one of those games that's got good interaction. Yep. Not a lot of downtime between turns. Mm-mm. Because uh, I mean you're you're playing cards and actually if you even wanted to, everybody could sit there and play all their cards at once, but there's some strategy in not doing that from the standpoint of, hey, you know, seeing, oh, did he just build another creature by discarding a card? The evolution for me in this game has been, I saw them at my first BGG con, okay? They they were introducing this. North Star was there introducing this game, and it was one of those, I sat down at the table it was on, I don't remember if it was on Kickstarter, but I sat down and I really enjoyed playing this game just because I think there's something about it from the standpoint, back to my Star Wars 
MMO game of um, being a, a geneticist where I was out s- sampling animals, you know, putting together yep. new. But I've always enjoyed that about video games, too, is how can I combine, like in Diablo, how can I combine these two elements to make a better weapon? Here, I'm combining cards to make a better animal to make it more powerful. How do I adjust it so I can survive your nasty little carnivore out over there? Do I put in an ambush? Do I put horns on him? Do I just sacrifice him? He's outlived his usefulness. All that's going <laughs> on, you know? And of course, the food is how you get victory points. And then I've also got the climbing expansion, which I hope to get to the table and play with you, where suddenly there are events that come in. The earth gets cold, the earth gets hot, and it impacts your population and the food sources. And events occur like a meteor striking the earth. So guess what happens there? Spoiler, extinction. So, <laughs> Man! And played yet? I didn't know that. Yeah. So anyway, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I really enjoy Evolution. I hate it doesn't get to the table as much. I know Rebecca enjoys it. It's one of her favorite games that we play. I love it. Yeah. This and I didn't realize this game is five years old. Mm -hmm. It came out 24, and I have missed it this entire time. And I regret I've missed it because I really enjoyed it. Which was why it was also cool that Northstar just recently released an app version of Evolution. And we got a copy of it to play on Steam. And they did a really good port of the board game uh, to the Steam game. I'll sit there during lunch and just and just start up a game against the AI and just knock out a game in like 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, it, it's a it's a great port. It's a great way to learn the game, too. Yeah, that's- uh, they kind of they kind of walk you through and teach you the rules. Uh, so if you're interested in playing this game and you want to play online with friends or against the AI, there's now a Steam version that you can uh uh, go and get to and it was it was done really well the only thing about it was i wish the player area where your animals were were a tad bigger mm-hmm. that it's like the pond in the middle of the board where all the foods collected it was big <laughs> and then the player areas are kind of small around it but nice thing is you can mouse over each of the creatures and kind of see the different attributes of the cards they have because each creature can only have what three cards yes and, and a lot of the cards are the same which is nice too it's uh once you kind of know the game you can just look at the card and go, oh, I know how that card works because there's multiple versions of that card in the deck. So it's really easy to pick up and the app is a really great way to learn it. You've, have you had a chance to try the app yet? Yeah, I tried the app. And one of the things, uh, positive, yeah, 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 great. Da, da, da. Negative was when I was trying, I didn't have my mouse handy. So when I was dragging to increase my population, put the card on the little spot that increases population, I was a tad bit far. And you dropped it on size. I dropped it on, uh, well, I've dropped it on a trait. Oh, okay. And I didn't realize that. So uh, to your point, if that had been a little bit bigger, maybe my old eyes would have picked up on the fact I was overshooting where I needed to be. I really like the fact that it has auto feed. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is that is cool. So we didn't talk about that. So uh, at the end of the round, everybody takes turns to feed their animals, one animal at a time. So if you have an animal, you can say, well, I'm going to feed by going out and grabbing a plant from the middle. You might have an attribute that says, you know, grab two or, you know, the person beside the, that creature, it also gets a food if you get one, etc. And you take turns till all the food is gone. But once those decisions have been made of like what people are going to take and there's there's not an option 
any more that you have to choose from. It just automatically feeds everybody. Yeah. So that really speeds up the round. I think the only thing that it doesn't auto feed on is those carnivores because you have to pick which creature that you're going to try to eat. But it will block them if there's nobody because there's ambush going on or burrowing or something like that. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden it says, hey, guess what? He's going to die. Yeah, you're, you're right. It does speed up the game uh, with the auto feed. So I thought it was a really good port. Again, we talked about uh, on the last episode, Istanbul on the Switch. Nice port. Evolution on uh, Steam. Another very good port. And I like how the claw, the footprints of your creature, when it goes to carnivore, it changes into little claws. Yes. And, and it's the little things, man. It's the little <laughs> thing. And when the carn and when you play an attribute, it's face down, and then you reveal it, and when it's the carnivore, it goes Roar, and it turns into a claw. It's just, it's a nice little animation. See, I, d- I don't have the sound on, so I didn't know that. Oh, uh, here, let me do it again. Roar, it's like that. Oh, is it exactly like that. Uh, it's pretty darn. Close did you do to the it. sound for them? I did. Uh, I thought so. I'm going to have to go yeah. check it out. I'm going to go replay this when I'm listening to this show after we record it. <laughs> and I have to do, because I don't know the show notes before Well, we have them, but I don't have the paragraphs written up. I, I could do that. I could probably write up those paragraphs for the show before we record. You know, we don't do this linearly, right? It's kind of all over the place. <laughs> Welcome to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. <laughs> Six years of background noise. That's right. Hey, but you know what? No, what? You got to check out a new iteration from the Evolution line. That's right. We've gone to the deep. We're swimming with the fishes. We're in the ocean. Ocean's Evolution. That's right. We got the Bloop. prototype. Thank you guys for sending that Bloop. to us. Bloop. I thought you were going. To, I thought you were going to do. What is that? It's well is that song. Wookie? It's well song. Oh. <laughs> no, that's a Led Zeppelin song. Okay. What well, well song? Huh? I don't, okay. Isn't that a Led Zeppelin song? I don't oh, know. What, keep talking. I'm going to look that up. Go ahead. Uh, man, you're going to get me on the last train of Clarksville around here. All right. So anyway, <laughs> oceans. It's on Kickstarter. It's funded. Y'all really don't no, need me. No, it's not. What the heck am I thinking of? I don't know. But let me try to get through this. So sorry. it's on Kickstarter. They really don't need much help from us other than it's because it's funded. Plain and simple. One of the things when we were playing, it's got a, a lot of cards. So the game kind of drug for us when we were doing the prototype because we had to read the cards. But there's this new interaction, Marty. You know, you talk about the same traits being played over and over and over in evolution. But in oceans, the big difference is there are two errors. You, the one where you, you can only play one card. And then there's another era where an action or event occurs in the ocean because it is depleted of a population. It changes or breaks the rules of the game. Uh, it's called the Cambrian. And when that occurs, then people may play two traits from their hand as well as these cards. And this is probably the biggest change from evolution, in my personal opinion, which I'm entitled to have, is the deep. When what they've done is they've taken the basic traits that you have in the surface deck and the deep now has exploded those capabilities. Exploded? Exploded geneticized, evolve them, fine. They've been evolved to the point where it gives you bigger, better, nastier capabilities, all right? Mm. And actually, there was a spoiler. There's a Kraken card in there. So you can play the Kraken, which, by the way, I watched the 
Clash of the Titans recently on TV, the new version. Okay. I was going to say the new version of the original, but okay. I cannot. Oh, I wish I had missed it. <laughs> so anyway, so you play the deep, but when you play a deep card, you have to use your victory points you're collecting to pay for it. So it's a balance of playing this to really enhance your capability or and lose victory points. And some of them are pretty intense and they, they can't they can change your species greatly so that's kind of what's the big difference in the oceans it's one of those things where i mean we slugged wrong until multiple plays of this will help people strategize on how to get the cambrian era going because that's very important and i think in our initial play we didn't realize it how important it was and so we kind of slugged wrong because in order, how do you move the population of the oceans is you can either create a new species by playing a card or you can migrate fishes from the various levels of the ocean to the reef because the reef is where you feed. So you have to, that, there's a lot of give and tank forcing people to play these things. Like I said, oceans has been funded. Another interesting take on the evolution series. And I highly recommend people go out, highly recommend, I'm stealing from Marty, that you go out and watch the videos and decide if that's the type of tactics you want. If you just like your base evolution, then maybe you might want to say, hmm, this is kind of more not along my speed on how they work that. But overall, it's one of the, I think, I think it's an excellent, change to the series i think they put they, they definitely put a lot of of course they put a lot of thought in it they've designed a game but overall i think it's a great change with the deep card so there was a song by elo called oh the my well gosh. that's what i was thinking of and it's not the well song by led zeppelin led zeppelin did a song about moby dick who was a well uh, there was also a book no no, I'm pretty sure the song came before that. The book was inspired by the Led Zeppelin song. I'm, I'm pretty sure, sure Herman Melville lived in, during our time. <laughs> and I'm sure some of the movies with um, Garrett Gregory Peck as Captain Ahab was, yeah, I think, yeah, that was, that occurred. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. I mean, for, I'm sure Led Zeppelin in their drug-induced state might have thought that. Wow. Harsh. I know. What can I? I'm getting grumpy. Dower Grimax is coming forth to the show. Mm. Mm. You done? I'm done with Oceans. Go check it out on Kickstarter. There will be a link in the show notes. Oh, now see, you get to decide what links go in. I'm also the one who writes it, so I decide regardless of what you say. Just like our hero Gimli, who's dead, we thought the scurry report was dead as well. But no, we've risen it from the grave. That's right. We've got a new scurry report coming back to you. And for those of you who haven't listened in a while or have never heard a scurry report, joining us is Nate Bivens. Bevins. Bivens. 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 You had it right the first time. Yeah. Bivens. Yeah, I know. I just can't wow. spell it worth anything. Man behind the Kickstarter Silver River. That has funded. That has yep. funded. That funded and Thank hit you. stretch goal. So congratulations. Thanks. And yeah. And Mr. Mega Moose Con himself, Mark Kale. Or Cal or Keel. 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 No, it's Kale like the superfood. 
<laughs> you know, I, wait. Now I'm hearing that with all the fact that everybody's on the kale kick, it's very hard for them to keep the production up. And I don't know if this is true. And they're starting to inject pesticides to try to. Do, and now kale may not be the superfood you thought it was. Are, are you saying you need more kales to produce reproduce? Is that what you're saying? No, we do not need that. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, we can only uh, handle so many kales. That's right. But the reason why we brought them on, Marty was able to get us a special copy of a game coming from Fantasy Flight. Marty, what was it? Uh, what was it? I you got to talk. You got to talk to the no, mic. I, dude. For, I forget what the article of, of the, in the name is. It's Lord of the Rings: Journey in Middle Earth. Ow! Oh, I just kicked my nails. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. That that was an unsuccessful check. <laughs> he, he just flipped over some cards. Agility and he, check uh, failed. Yeah, agility check. Failed your agility. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that's I know fun. all about it. Oh, so earlier this year, Fantasy Flight out of nowhere announced the game Lord of the Rings Journey in, Journey in Middle Earth, which looks a lot like a Lord of the Rings themed Mansions of Madness, uh, where you have an app driving a, a co-op game. Uh, where you have, like in Mansions of Madness, you got different tiles coming out, creating the map and everything. So as soon as I saw this as a big Mansions of Madness fan, this went straight to the top of, this is one of my top anticipated games of 2019. Am I the only one here? And are y'all just appeasing me by playing this? Or were y'all kind of excited when you heard about it too? No, this is definitely on the hype list for 2019 for me because it combined, I mean, it's Fantasy Flight, first of all, and they make some of the my favorite games. And it combines, uh, you know, some of the most recent uh, iterations of their game design with Lord of the Rings, like probably my favorite IP. I like it even better than Star Wars. So, yeah, this is right up my alley. I had never, I hadn't even heard about it yet. So as soon as you said, no, we're going to play this. And I was like, oh, okay, this thing's coming out. And, uh, but I like Imperial Salt. I like Descent. And, uh, I'm not as big a fan as Nate is of the IP, but you know, Lord of the Rings, it's okay. And so, yeah, I'm down with it. So Lord of the Rings, yes, always that's going to bring me in because as for me, you know, uh, the game I'm most familiar with that has this type of play mechanism whatever is uh mansions of madness did i get it right that time i've been you saying did. it wrong you, you said let's say you said mansions in madness mansions to madness, mansions uh, for madness. <laughs> i mean I, I think i've played imperial salt once and it was a a long game and so i didn't go back to it and then as far as uh mansions i still have it on my shelf it just didn't go over very well mm-hmm. but to drag me back to this type of game, it would have to be an IP that I really, 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 really enjoy, and that would be Lord of the Rings, because I will never get the Lord of the Rings RPG to the table. I just know it, because here we are sitting, and we still didn't play it. <laughs> but at least we play a Lord of the Rings game. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Know? And it does have a, uh, it is a campaign-driven game, which is... Uh, different than Mansions of Madness. Now, before we started recording, I wanted to say we were going to talk about how this compares to different games. I know Mansions of Madness really well. You guys said you know Imperial Salt and Descent. Well, so we're going to kind of compare this to all those FFG games. And I will say right off the bat that Lord of the Rings has a campaign mode in it to where it's not a one-shot like Mansions is. So campaign games now are like oh that means i gotta get the same people together and and save the state of the game and play through it the nice thing about mansions was anytime i could just pull up down off the shelf play one scenario put it up and forget about it yeah can you do that with this game no 
It has to be a campaign. It, it is a game. campaign-driven game. So we have the demo build of the app. It's not officially released. And so not all of the campaign is in here. So we played as far as we could. Uh, we was actually checking out to see what the next uh, campaign was. We only got like two in, and the demo is like, yep, well, you finished. That, so we didn't. That's we didn't perfectly get, okay. We can start <laughs> over. It's no problem. That's fine. So we didn't get the full build of the game. So we didn't get to see um, a lot of it because because uh, we have the demo build um, of the app. Uh, so for those who've never played any of those types of games, this is basically a one to five player game where you have an app that either runs on iOS, Android, or PC that basically drives the AI of the game. Each of you are playing a hero from Lord of the Rings, Legolas, Aragorn, Gimli. Bilbo, and then two characters that were created just for this game. Uh, one's a musician, and the other is... I can't remember what the other one was, but it was a... Uh, we didn't play her tonight. Over the course of the game, you're going to have a map that's laid out in front of you, and you're going to go basically questing, just like they do in the books and the movies. I'll just say right here that you know I was really impressed with the app. Uh, I really liked the way that it, it worked and the way that it uh, integrated into the uh the board gameplay and didn't take over the game i didn't feel like i felt like the the app was you know just part of it uh but a, a really good part and a good driving part and it also i like using the app because the app takes some of the rule questions out of there right sometimes you know when you're playing i will forget you know now how do i apply that pierce damage is that applied after I do my damage or is it applied before I do my damage? And using an app just takes all of those questions out of it. So I, I really like that part of it. Yeah, to me, this is really an evolution of the apps that Fantasy Flight has come out with uh, previously. Like the man- this takes the Mansions of Madness app and makes it even more user friendly and puts even more of the kind of the crunch into the app. And also on top of that, it's playing the Lord of the Rings soundtrack in the background. It has gorgeous art that it's playing that really enhances the theme. What do you think it, it fixed from the Mansions of Madness app? What do you think so, it improved on? Yeah, so way? I feel like in this one, you're able, in the app, you're able to click on any of the keywords, like Mark mentioned Pierce, but we didn't even do it, but the boulder and the, the bush icons uh, on the map, mm-hmm. you can actually click on those and it tells you all the rules for it. <laughs> I didn't realize that because we were yeah. looking in the rule book yeah, and we could have exactly. gone Straight to the I app. think we could have almost played this whole game without even looking at the rule book. Almost. How many times did you hear me utter my favorite phrase? Hand me the rule book. That's right. <laughs> which was which was very few times. And it's funny when we first came in here, you guys were picking on me. You know, Marty, you're going to make a spreadsheet. You know, how long is it going to take teach? And I told you guys I could teach this in five minutes or less. You time me. Yep. After the setup was done, I taught the rules in four minutes. Yeah. Yep. And yep. it's really Absolutely. that straightforward. On your turn, you can take up to two actions. You can move two spaces. You can attack a monster. It's, it's in, within range. Or you can interact with a token that's on the board. And that may be a person token. That may be an explorer token. It may be a threat token. And that's done by interacting with the map. So you do two of those actions, and it's the next person's turn. That's really all there is to it. Everything else is driven by that uh, app. The app tells you what map tiles to put out, how to position the tiles, what tokens to put on the tiles, what monsters are put on the tiles. When the monsters activate, how do they move? They take care of all that. Yeah. Basically, you just got two actions per turn. Yeah, really, the rules only rules questions we had were uh, keywords on our character cards, like you know, rest too. What does rest mean? But really that was pretty much only our rules questions that I remember. And along the lines of, you know, the app, the art and everything like that, I appreciated that some of the art came from the Lord of the Rings uh, living card game. Amen. I mean, so I was able to recognize that. I mean, it was just very easy for me to pick up on that. But 
with Mansion of the Man, that, that was then, right? This is now. Correct. I mean, this is the, where they're going to. I don't. I don't know what you mean. But like with the mansions of madness. Yeah. It it was they didn't have all that integration. Do you think they've learned and and now they've they've really made this a lot better app? I don't know. I didn't play it back then. I mean, I still play Mansions of Madness. It still has a lot of the same sort of integration things. Like Nate said, there may be some more built-in type rulesy type stuff in it, but it still drove the game. Much like uh, Lord of the Rings does. Okay, so overall, as far as improvements to the app over time, they they did they make it a better app? I feel like it's better because it represents the theme a little more because it shows more of a 3D map. And so the plain 2D that Mansions does, mm-hmm. it also has the, the iconic music. And then it definitely has more, uh, the UI is just improved in general. You can click on more things. It gives you pop-ups for the rules. You know, mansions had some of that functionality, but I did have to go to the rule book to remember some of the rules for for various, you know, fire and things like that. Now, Tony, one thing I think that you'll appreciate that it did improve in in your eyes is the fact that mansions had a lot of text. Oh, I did notice that immediately. When you when you go to the mythos phase in mansions, there is a lot of text. You interact with the monster, all of a sudden there's this wall of text. You do such and such and this such and such, and it pulls something out of space and rips its guts out and it does this test in the gate too, you know, has this whole thing where you're going through this whole narrative. Uh, some people may really like that. That narrative is really toned down in this game. When you attack a monster, it's just like, all right, here's this health bar. How much damage did you do? And you apply that damage. Mm-hmm. There's also an extra phase in Mansions of Madness in the Mythos phase that if you are near another monster, you have to do like a fear check. So not only do they react, then if you're in the same space, you got to do a fear check, which is another set of paragraphs that you need to read to see if you have to if you overcome the fear. That whole fear phase doesn't exist in this game. The shadow phase is basically the monsters move, they attack, maybe nothing new things pop on the board. Uh, that's it. So the AI phase goes a lot quicker in this game than it does in Mansions. Yeah, exactly. And that and that's that's a very subtle thing, but it's important. That's not to say there's not a lot of flavor text in Journeys in Middle-Earth, but it is focused more on what the heroes are doing. When you're exploring the land, it'll describe with flavor text what you've seen. Maybe I find you know a, a, a set of bushes that have plants that may be useful in the journey. You're right. In Mansions of Madness, it's more talking about what the house does, what the madman does, or what the evil horror does to you. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a significant thing. I like that expedition exposition to be more based on what the heroes do. One of the things that I absolutely love about this game is the character creation at, at the beginning. Uh, Mansions doesn't have this at all. With Mansions, pretty much you you pick a character, and then at the beginning of the game, it says, "All right, for this scenario, you have all these items. You guys determine the split what what items you're going to get." In this game, you have the five characters. And I ask you guys, all right, pick which character you want to get. Uh, you do that, and you got you got five cards. I believe it was around four, four or five cards. Like Legolas, here's the five cards. Everybody gets the same basic cards. Here's another five cards. Then you choose a role. You can choose uh, what was it? There was um, Pathfinder, Musician, Guardian, Guardian, which was Gimli. I was the burglar. Yeah, Hunter. And they all have a little bit different tweaks. Well, you can tell by the titles that kind of what they are. That's an additional three cards that would go with that character. So you can mix and match. So I could be Legolos one time as a guardian, 
And the next time in the campaign, I could be Legolas as a musician if I wanted to. So you can kind of develop your character over time. And when you play the campaign, if you pick Pathfinder on the first scenario, you can switch it up on the next one. So that made it feel like, oh, okay, now I'm kind of massaging this deck and building this character over time. Yeah, that really goes to the uh, RPG side of the house uh, with this because you do feel like you're actually building that character, which is what you do with every RPG. And it um, is also indicative of the Imperial Assault and Descent because you have those kind of decks with them also. Also, like I, I like the character progression. I don't, I don't think you mentioned it, but as you go along in the scenarios, then you can also gain skills and equipment, which that's what I really like in a game like this is to make my character better and feel like I'm actually building something. And that's indicative of Descent First Edition. Right. Right, which will never get played again. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's a very long game and a very long campaign, and you just keep building your character and building character and build character. And so I really like that. That actually is how Mark and I met playing Descent Road to Legend. Yeah. And it, unlike... That game, that game, you can only get new loot, basically. Mm -hmm. it, it was a spawn of doom where you just go through a dungeon, you find loot, and that persists through the campaign. This one, it's really kind of that mix of your character, your class XP, and the loot maybe that you can uh, acquire through lore throughout the campaign. Why do they use small cards? Oh, Lord. <laughs> I think it's, I mean, it's an FFG thing. I mean, it does. It is the small the table cards. Space. Imagine these are all I mean, big yeah. cards. The table space will be huge. I, I, I agree, Tony. But I think Nate's right. Point. There's a lot of cards that you do because there's there's the deck of cards that you have. Every character also starts out with items. Like I've got a dagger, a harp, and a cloak. I played the musician this time. And uh, like you guys said, there's basically two resources you use for building your character. There's XP that you gain throughout the game. At the end of a scenario, you can then spend that XP to buy a new skill to put in your deck. It doesn't replace it. It can buy it. And one of the things I thought was cool was, let's say I was a musician and I bought a brand new musician's, musician skill. That's always with my deck even if I pick another role. So the rules state, all right, you bought this musician card with your XP, but next time you want to do something like Guardian, that's fine. You take the one, two, and three cards from the Guardian deck, but you still use the musician card that you had. So now that even provides more deck building yep. to mix and match the classes together to build the exact character that yeah, you want. It's like dual class. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it is. And the other uh, resource you talked about was lore. Lore is, is a collective resource that once you hit certain thresholds, you can upgrade equipment that you have. So there's a whole stack of cards over here and equipment. And once you say, oh, we got 30 lore, we can look through the items deck and anything that's a 30 lore you know up to 30 lore we can change out items that are that we're having you can have one-handed item two-handed items you can have up to one armor and then over the course of the game you can get trinkets and this is cool too they have limited number of uses so like mark you got a rope tonight it has two so uses on it and when it's depleted it's gone that's right yep and uh so i had to choose whether I wanted to use it or not uh, during the course of the game, I used half my rope. I, I left the game <laughs> with the uh, dead and half a rope. So, you know, but uh, you know, I didn't even notice that it, the cards have hands on them. Like my battle axe is, is a two handed weapon. So that that's pretty cool too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Bilbo can only equip one hand because he's a habit. Why do they only have one hand? I saw yeah, two. No, Cause he's yeah. small. He can't do a battle axe. Is it true? You can only do one handed. Yeah. 
Oh, so that's that a weakness that Bilbo yeah. has. And He's awesome have, in all other regards. And the characters all have special abilities that you can use. And it's yep. very nice how the game itself, when you're flipping over cards to resolve the successes, you're able to mitigate failures. From that standpoint, I like the idea of flipping over cards, over having to roll dice. All of that worked out very well, well we for me. We, well, so we need to explain that. We hadn't talked no, about that. No, we don't that. need it. People, if you've played any no, of these No, you games, haven't. It is, no, it is nothing like I'd the sense of Mansions of Madness or Imperial Assault. It is. I like, I mean. There's no dice. Yeah. And, it, and it is a very important part of it, yeah. This is the first style of this game from FFG without dice. Without no, dice. I'm not saying there's dice in it. I'm just saying, but the style is similar. The same type of mechanic. Yeah, but we there. need to explain what the mechanic is. If there's no dice, then what is it? A skill check it's is... The, yeah, skill check flicking my over cards. I just, I just talked about that. Yeah, do 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 a thing. Yeah, fast. All right, what else we're talking about? You explain this in five minutes, and how long have we been going on? This is from the guy that we were sitting here having this long discussion about great RPGs and character progression, and he says... Why are the cards so small? <laughs> That's the kind of wisdom that you'll okay. get. Now, <laughs> do you want to know why I went there? I'm not going to see anything out of this. It's small text, right? No, no, I'm not going to say out of this character progression in RPG. I know you have to stick with it. So if you've got a good play group that you're going to stick with and build on the app, yeah. For me, I'm not going to see that. I'm going to be honest. I'll be perfectly honest. Well, I see this on the table again. Hopefully, maybe we will see, right? But if you do not have that, if you do not have that cohesion with the game, then you might not not see that part. It's in there. If you like that, go for it. See what in there? The, the progression. The the RPG. If, let me tell you this right now. If you don't plan on completing a campaign, don't buy this game. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. This game is, yeah, yeah. the brilliance is the building of the character. And if, if you're just going to play one scenario, you'd be done with it, save your money and get Mansions of Madness or one-shot things like yeah, that. And absolutely. That's very important. You're completely right, Tony. And to whoa, whoa, whoa. Mark, <laughs> edit that. I'm editing that right out. No, you're not editing that He's out. Completely right. The you are frame small. That. <laughs> you are completely right that it doesn't matter what how great this game is. You would not be in because it is a campaign game through and through, and that's how it's designed from the ground up. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and that's important to highlight to people much even more so than Imperial Assault and Descent before it. You can play a one-shot, probably, and you can play the first adventure or whatever, but to really get the value out of this, we need to emphasize that campaign is what you should be seeking out. Yeah, I mean, if you try to jump to probably the second or third part of the campaign no. or the adventure, you're probably going to be too weak. Even if you could, which I don't think the app would even let you. Yeah, like you, you have to... Yeah, you have to go through, and you've maybe made choices. That, we haven't even talked about that. There are choices you can make that branch the story out. Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't even know where to jump to in the story, mm-hmm. even if you could. Well, so let, let's do explain basically how the checks work. So let's say, an example, in Mansions of Madness, you're going to roll a certain number of dice, and there's successes on there. You can spend clue tokens to convert those clues that you roll on the dice into successes. Here, uh, all the cards uh, in the upper left-hand corner are either blank have a success or a fate icon. And then when you're told to take a test, you have uh, five different stats on your cards. For example, like might, wisdom, agility, spirit, and wit. And if I went to attack somebody, my weapon would tell me, okay, well, this is a wit check. So I would look at my wit on here. I'm going to draw three cards. I draw three from my deck and I look in the upper left-hand corner. I'm looking for those successes. Uh, for every success I have, that counts as a... as uh, 
I can convert those into hits. If I have inspiration, which are tokens that can be earned over the course of the game by exploring or somebody else giving you inspiration, killing and, something, and killing something, mm-hmm. you can, if you have, and you have a card with a fate icon on it, you can turn in the inspiration point to convert a fate to a success. Even though it's, well, it's like, was well, not much different than rolling dice, but as we were talking tonight, uh, as you get through your deck, if you know your deck well enough to know the number of successes in your deck, you can kind of start calculating what the chances are of you succeeding on your next check as your deck starts decreasing in size. Yeah, I mean, it has ramifications all throughout the design. Not only are you talking about changing the probability and how that goes throughout the course of the game and based on the game state, but also whenever you, not rest, but whenever you uh, scout. So we can explain what scout. Yeah. So whenever, usually at the start of the turn, you can scout to other game effects will let you scout. And scouting is basically draw a number of cards from your deck into your hand, and you may ready one of the or prepare one of those uh, cards, which means place it face up on your game board, and then you can put the other card on the top or bottom of your deck. So the dual use of this card, these cards, having the successes and the inspiration uh, symbol in the upper left, and then some abilities that trigger whenever they're readied or prepared in front of you really changes the thing. That ch- that's a huge decision point. How, which cards do I prepare? Which cards do I tuck under my deck? Which cards do I put back on top? So there, And there are a number of other interactions with the cards that also kind of trigger throughout that, but it seems like such a simple thing. Flip a card, how many hits you get? But it really is not that simple with the dual-use cards and with all the way the, the cards interact with each other. And while the cards are in your deck, the text means nothing. It's literally just for skill checks for those symbols. But once they go face up into your skill positions and you can have up to four prepared skills at any time, well, then in that case, the text is what matters and the symbols don't matter on the cards. That design right there, like you said, having dual type cards is really cool because like you said, there were some times when I drew a card, it's like, man, this is a really good skill, but this skill happens to have a success on top. And that means I know if I top deck it, my first check, I know I have one success. So as opposed to other games that have dice, it felt to me I could mitigate the luck of my skill checks way more than I could by rolling dice in Mansions of Madness. But what about the anticipation that dice brings to a game? Some people may love dice. My wife, Vanessa, loves dice. She would probably like that way over this because what I found, and I could be wrong, guys, to me, this felt more like a strategical and tactical game more so than mansions or the other games. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Uh, but but I like that. I like the negating the luck in the game uh, so that you can decide your own fate to some extent. And especially, you know, the cards are where you, you know you've just got three fail. You like basically critically failed, but you know that there's a really good chance that on your next attack that you're going to get it. Yeah, and they've really ba- done a great job here of balancing out luck with strategy, in my opinion. Because when you prepare, you're only putting one card on top. Or not prepare, rest, what's the other thing? A scout. Scout, scout thank yeah. you. I'm sorry. When you, you scout, scout, you only you get to prepare a card. one card on top or bottom. And then after that, you, you know, you're drawing random off the deck. So you still get that excitement of what am I going to draw? And that's really only the first test you do. Often in a turn, especially if you're attacked at the end of a turn, you're going to be flipping over a lot of cards. I went through my deck one round mm-hmm. because I was attacked a few times. And at the end of every round, you rally. You basically take your discard pile and shuffle it all back together. So each round, you're resetting your deck every single turn. That I mean, that puts a little luck right back into it, right? But mm-hmm. I still like that better than rolling dice every single time. I 100% agree. And so we got the, talking about the different scenarios. This is another thing I like. So we had these hexed 
based tiles that on the first uh, scenario, we had this big sprawling map that you are uh, all over the table with all these tokens set up and you could explore places and get inspiration points by exploring. And I'm not going to spoil the scenario, but we basically went to a location and the next scenario was, okay, now we're going to introduce what we call the battle map mode. It's these basically two square boards. And I guess they're what? 12 by 12 boards, uh, something like that. And you put them side by side and you put terrain on there. And all of a sudden, this goes from like a dungeon crawler type game to a tactical miniatures battle game because there's nothing to explore. You see everything that's on the board. You can use the terrain to buff yourself up. There's walls in place. It becomes a different game in this battle map mode to me. And this time frame for this game is between Bilbo finding the ring and the fellowship is that right when is it i think so i think i think i think it's right yeah because i you know you're so for people who are looking out for like the various heroes that we've talked about you're not going to find um frodo well you won't yeah i mean think about they can uh, expand oh this game oh they will (laughs) expand it (laughs) you know in fact in the in the uh in the app they already have a button called collection whereas you buy expansions you highlight which collections you've bought yeah so i mean people need to understand i mean we've got legolas we've got gimli you know you got bilbo uh gandalf may show up later who knows sure Sure pippin mary mary wasn't out on the board Arwen. you know i mean you got elwin ama you got tons of characters can be introduced yeah but yeah, so I just I just like those those two modes of of the game right there. I just but felt the, like when this this is more of a tactical miniatures game to me. I'm looking at the battle map right now. It's on the table. I will say, uh, campaign. If you're familiar with what uh, Eldritch Horror, Arkham Horror, it's kind of to me. I, I I know there's dice. Don't get me wrong. I understand. We've already had infinity gone over the difference between yeah, that's the dice. <laughs> Yeah. At, at, at infinity. At infinity. Is that yeah. a gauntlet? Yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, did you know if you have a ticket, we were looking here, my wife sent me a tech, people were buying Infinity uh, uh, Avengers Endgame. Endgame, 15K for a ticket. Why would you? Anyway. Because it'll be on Plex, somebody's Plex account by, you know. <laughs> tomorrow. Oh, yeah, by yeah. tomorrow. But So I guess to me, Arkham Horror, Elder Char, I kept thinking, this seems like the same type of thing. No. Okay. See, you keep saying that. No, there's there's no campaign mode in Arkham I'm not Horror, Elder Char. Okay, get rid of that. But I have I have damage. <laughs> get I, rid of that. I have damage and fear. Therefore, it's health and sanity. You say, yeah, oh, it can no, be. That's the same. The same. No, but, and the damage is done the exact same way in mansions. It's tracked by uh, cards, damage and fear cards that you draw and they may they come in face up and you resolve them put them face down that is mansions of madness and eldritch you have the various uh, levels on each of the investigators correct yeah, yeah d- different skills yes that so, and, and, yeah. that's yes so basically if you're familiar with those games that's why you say you need to explain how it's all to me I kept linking back to it. That's where I was able to say, okay, I understand how all this works because I'm so used to playing those type of games from Fantasy Fall. Your inspiration is a clue. There you go. Yeah, no, I mean, you there are ana- yeah. and there are analogous yeah. items between the games for sure. And really, I feel like that's a strength. So whenever whenever I sit down to play a game, I'm looking for those similarities because that just eases mm-hmm. that just increases accessibility. If you've played a fa- almost any Fantasy Flight game before, then there's some parts of Journeys of Middle Earth that you're going to be familiar with and that you don't need to explain the rules to. They're going to come naturally, and that's what helped us like jump right into this thing. I feel I find that's a strength as long as the game has some innovative and 
new things to it, which I feel like this one does. And so it, while we say, yeah, you may not like the campaign, but if you do like these other games, maybe you can, because of the tiebacks to the other games, maybe you might want to give it a try. At least a try. I don't, I wouldn't recommend a buy unless okay. you're, unless you're set on the campaign. Correct. For sure, a try if you're familiar with it and like those other games. And yes. the IP. Because yeah. I, I I was going to mention that too, because I mean, I don't know what the MSRP is going to be, but a hundred bucks. Right. I was going to say, just looking at 100. the game, it doesn't look like it's going to be an inexpensive game. Uh, so yeah, you would definitely want to try before you buy mm-hmm. uh, and only get it if you have uh, people who can commit to doing the campaign. And the reason why it's expensive, there are a lot of models in here. And I will say this, the models of this game, I think blow away the other games of this type they have done. The most recent being Mansions of Madness. I think the, the models here, the molds and everything are just a lot more detailed and look a lot better than what came in Mansions of Madness. Yeah, absolutely. Like everything else, Fantasy Flight has taken what they've done before and amped it up to the next level with the minis. I mean, Mansions of Madness, I won't even talk about those, but going back to like Descent and other games in the past, Imperial Assault, yeah. these sculpts are more detailed and more vibrant and better looking for sure. So as we kind of uh, start wrapping up, the thing is... People are going to say, you know, well, we always we always have the conclusion is like, does this replace anything on my shelf? So right now, I've got Mansions of Madness sitting on my shelf. I think mechanically, personally, this game is a better game than Mansions of Madness because it removes some luck elements. I feel like I have more control over what I'm doing. But for me, it will not replace it because... When it gets October and we have barbecue, the I love the theme of Arkham Horror. And I will pull that game off the shelf. My family loves it. And I will play Mansions of Madness as long as they want to. And, and, and also the thing is, too, it's also a one shot. It's not a campaign. But I'm also going to want to play this game, too. And I know Tony says, we're never going to play this game again. I, I want to play this game again. Because now we've... Do we... We successfully finished the first two scenarios. We we passed on, on easy. No, no, there's only two mode. Well, there's normal and there's hard. There is no easy. Let me just tell you that at RobCon, we failed both of them. But we're also pretty amazing. Well, we are pretty amazing. <laughs> pretty amazing. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. I didn't guide you guys. I knew the story. So I knew, and I'm not going to say anything here because it would be a spoiler alert, but I knew some things that were going to happen. And I just mm. kept my mouth shut. Because I could have like, no, I shouldn't do that, you know, or that sort of thing. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we but we passed because I wanted you guys to experience right. and make the and deci- decisions for yourself. For but sure. now, now I'm excited. It's like now I know that, holy cow, I've got eight XP to spend and we're looking through the skill cards like, dang, I could put this skill into my yeah, deck right now. I was definitely I'm like, that. oh, yeah. Then I want to see where it goes with it. All right. So now I challenge you. Okay. I'm going to challenge you. If we had and got the committed people to play Lord of the Rings RPG, would you be as gung-ho, you think? Wait a minute. I, I, I guess I won't follow the question. If we... So you've got this. Would you be as gung-ho for this game if we had been playing the Lord of the Rings RPG where you are invested in those characters as well? I don't know. RPG is a different animal to me. I, I believe so too, yeah. I, I think it's two, two different experiences yeah i understand so, you i yeah. mean you've got figures running on the board oh wait in an rpg you generally have figures running on a well, board but but it's yeah. still a different it, it, rpg is very open-ended this is a very structured game for me if i have an rpg group and i can play lord of the rings the rpg i would play it over this game because i feel like this tries if, if you don't have that group and you don't have that dm 
This yes. replicates that experience. It condenses it down and it will give you that feel and scratch that itch. But there's no replacing an RPG where you can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. You can interact with the other players in any way you want. And you can still have tactical battles and the theme. I mean, this, you know, approximates an RPG in a shorter time frame. But to that point, if you don't have the, the people who can get into the RPG world to, to play along like that, this, I'm sitting there thinking as we were playing this, I'm like, okay, that would scratch that itch without a doubt. Absolutely. I, I mean, absolutely. So here's my wrap up on it. I'll just say up front that I personally will not be uh, by uh, purchasing the game. Mm-hmm. The reason is this: I have Near and Far, I have Mansions of Madness, I have Imperial Assault. Okay, none of those get enough play right now, mm-hmm. and so I'm pretty sure that I would not get the play out of this one. Okay, mm-hmm. in order to justify the purchase of it. Sure. However, I would like I do think <laughs> that this is probably the culmination of Fantasy Flight putting some of their best mechanics into one game. Uh just like Tony mentioned with the Arkham Horror and the cards that they use there, uh having the app integrated with the game, using the elements of Imperial Assault and the other campaign games like that. That I think this is really probably going to be the best one of those games. I just don't think that I personally can justify the purchase of it uh, because I already own the other game. Let me ask you this and, and, and you guys will wrap up. So if I was to say, Hey guys, every, every two weeks, every three weeks, can we get together and play this? Would you be interested in that? Or yeah. they're like, no, 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 no. I, I still would rather do something else besides that. I would definitely be interested in it. I would, I would love to play this game. I mean, I have had an absolute blast tonight. It's, it's been great. But that's gonna last until you're like, oh no, we got to record, we got to review these well, games. So. Oh, that, that's that's always <laughs> so that we can record. <laughs> I, I will say that we we played two scenarios in about two and a half hours. Yeah, that's yeah. not Mansions of Madness has some scenarios that are three to four hours long by themselves. Now it may have just been the first two that's that were what short. I was say yeah, if they keep this this game to where the scenarios are two hours or less, I think it's more likely to hit the table. In my opinion, no, I agree. Yeah, definitely because, agree. And the setup is easy, so we could like, well, we got to check this game out for reviewing, but we also have this hour and a half, two hour window. Let's knock out one scenario. Yeah, if we could do that, yeah, absolutely. To answer your question, if we're gonna play a persistent game. Except for Lord of the Rings RPG, I would play this over any other game that we can play regularly every three weeks or so. Really? Yeah. Really? (laughs) (laughs) What other persistent game are we going to play every three weeks that beats this? Except for maybe Lord of the Rings RPG. So there's no normal board game that you would like to put in the rotation? I mean, if there's a a campaign game like a Gloomhaven or something. I would would pick this over Gloomhaven. I would pick it over Imperial Assault. I would pick it over. Um, Can you edit that out? Yeah, Madara. I would pick it over any anything that I've seen that's campaign or persistent that we'd want to bring out once a month. That's bold. So let me can I ask why is it just a combination of everything we've talked about? Or? Yeah, it, it really is. Oh, but you're Lord, be Lord of the Rings fan too. I'm a huge that's, Lord yeah. of the Rings fan, so that does color. But the, to me, the the reason is because the like Mark said, this is the culmination and refinement of a n- numerous other fantasy flight games, all of which are good. And they've somehow cobbled all those together into a coherent and streamlined game that is just, it's just elegant and beautiful. The gameplay on this was really good for what it is for a campaign dungeon crawler, which is what this game is. And Tony, don't you think it moved pretty quick? 
You didn't walk around the table too many times. Oh, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. We whoa. figured out that if you let Tony run the app, he's got something to do the whole game, <laughs> and he doesn't get bored. <laughs> what? That's even better. That's true. Plus, we're in Mark Kale's boardroom, and I really don't have a lot of room to move around <laughs> with these luxury chairs, leather-bound chairs that we have in here. So if I move, I'd be tripping over stuff. So you're right. Did it move along for me? Was it a fast enough pace for me? There were some downtime, yes, but you're absolutely right. You hit the nail on the head with the flavor text i wasn't sitting here the guy talking at the beginning i'm like come on yeah the vocal uh there's not a lot of uh thank good there's a lot of non-narration honestly at the very beginning and the very end is the only audio narration in the entire thing that's silly stuff i mean to be honest no yeah but i think mansion's the same way it was really on the intro thing that they that they read out on my side of it is this something i could see because of just how accessible the ip is and if I, um, aside from you guys, if I had a monthly group, this would go in place of a legacy game. Oh, wow. Uh, that, really? that, I'm not saying I would not play what I'm not no, saying, no, yeah. Yeah, but you would say, okay, we finished this legacy game. Let's jump over to this game. No, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And so just like when we played Pandemic Legacy with our, our old neighbors, if I still had that going on i would be saying okay let's take a break from disease and let's go kill some orcs and i especially think from a non-gamer heavy gamer and this app it is very well done to where they're not having to sit there and say what's this do i can see my wife i don't understand this the cards are very well written very well written straightforward she would grasp them very quickly you're not saying that she's not smart enough she she but it would not be one of those gamer things where she looks at me and goes i don't understand what this means you know right yeah, she'd be sure. able to say oh so if i'm testing that i can just sort of track this one out what's the app telling me to do it'd be good i will say as the person who read the rules the learn it's your typical fantasy flight rules book it's learn to play and the rules reference without reading the rules reference at all looked at the learn to play and was easily up and playing no time at all today I actually read through the entire rules reference book and it was like yeah it all just makes logical sense and just like you said nate there's some things you want to check there's keywords luckily there's a nice reference guide right on the back of the book uh, for most of the keywords and it tells you exactly what you need to do so it's a very low learning curve that's it it's yeah, a very it's a shallow curve. learning curve yeah, yeah. And, if, and when you talk about keywords though i think is important is there's been some like i'm looking on mark shell so here if i look at forbidden stars and i see those keywords i mean it was like keyword 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 you know just i i remember looking at how thick that book was i didn't see that i mean from that standpoint i didn't encounter a ton of keywords here strike well the thing is is it Everything was well, it, there's, there's a keyword called strike, and he just has a big grin on his face. Oh, I, I see what he's saying. <laughs> you just like to say strike, <laughs> yes, yes, I do. Yeah, speaking about easy to entry, strike. Have you played that incredible dice rolling game? I've played a dice rolling game called Strike, <laughs> <laughs> which you know, at Miniature Market, they um, impact just came out and it sold out, boom, gone. First day sold out. What are you gonna say, Mark? I was gonna say that you know he was talking about the his wife knowing everything, but the app and she does <laughs> the app and your uh, character card. Like the app would say, you need to test your might. It would give you the symbol for might. Sorry, every time we said test your might, it was the Mortal Kombat because Mortal Kombat they go test your might. Come on, you got that Mortal Kombat the theme song. Test test. Hold on, listen. Test your mind. Test your mind.
Test your mic. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, I'm, I'm and by sorry. the way, yeah. So what were you saying, oh, Mark, anyway, before you, you were ruined by <laughs> Mr. Symphony yeah, over here? but I, I extracted a theme song out of it, so hey. <laughs> um, anyway, it has the mite symbol. You look on your card. I have four mite. I draw four cards. How many success icons are on there? Boom. You're done. That's it. It's that simple. But what was cool was, like with Nate, Nate, you had some sweet combos going on. Uh, between the cards to where, oh, if I draw this and then I can activate this and all of a sudden next I'm hidden and hidden is good. You'd prepared some skills that kind of gave you a lot of like really cool little combos during your turn. Yeah, I really enjoyed the, I mentioned it earlier, how some of the cards interact with each other. As the burglar, I had hide, but if I was also quiet, they interacted with hide and then some uh, like well-nourished abilities uh, kind of comboed with that. It It definitely... If you pay attention to the cards in your class and your character, you can definitely see some synergies and combos. So I, I enjoy that part of it for sure. And that's the part where as you now look through your skills, when you have XP to burn or spend, you can go, Ooh, well, if I put this card with that card, I can do this sweet little combo. Again, that's one of the, this is one of the top games I've been looking forward to uh, of 2019. Uh, this is going to be one of those games, much like Mansions and, and all the others we've been talking about tonight, that's going to have expansion after expansion and probably be around for years. I think you guys gave some great insights on things to, you know, maybe you don't want to consider this if you don't have the group to play a campaign, because I think all of us agree, this is not just to sit down and play the first scenario and you're done. The meat of the game is playing through and oh, yeah. building a character. We, we've done two quests and I want more. <laughs> and it's like, oh, wait a minute, where's the next quest? Where's the next? And then we thought, did we lose all of our XP? And we loaded the game and it like loaded us at our last save point in the second scenario. So when we get the full real version of the app, we have to play through the first two scenarios again Aww. and hope we do as well. And get all that lore and XP that we or didn't don't got. get dead. Yeah, maybe you will die this yeah. time. Oh, I forgot to mention too. There's side quests, so it's not just a main quest. We were presented with a side quest in the in the first main scenario where you can try to achieve and earn any more, even earn even more XP. And you guys didn't do it, but after I turn off the recordings, I'll tell you what it is and what would have happened. All right, cool. All right, so that is journey. No, what is it? Let me look at it again. Oh, Lord, Lord of the Rings. Journey's in. Journey's in. Middle. I keep wanting to say in Journey's of or Journey's at. It's Journey's in Middle you Earth. You got Tony disease. <laughs> Lord of the Rings. This is supposed to be out. I heard from FFG middle or end of April. Uh, so is this one of these, one of these games is probably going to be really hot and probably sell out pretty quick. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and there'll I'm be expansions sure. pretty, pretty soon after. So, guys, thank you so much. I promise you. We will play again because I got some ideas for my character, Aline, over here that I really want to use. Nice. Can, can we get figures painted by the next time? <sighs> Editor Marty here. As I was putting together our scurry report segment on Journeys in Middle-Earth, I realized there was one important aspect of the game we totally forgot about. The threat mechanic. This is taken from the Lord of the Rings LCG game where at the end of each round you gained a certain amount of threat. And in the card game, if your threat ever exceeded 50, the game automatically ended. Journeys in Middle-Earth also has that same type of threat bar in that when you start a campaign, it'll say, okay, you have this much threat that you can accumulate before the scenario ends. So say, for example, it's, it's 65. And the way you accumulate threat at the end of each round is each character that's in play gets two 
points of threat per character. So for us, we had four characters plans. That was eight points of threat every round. Plus there's a point of threat for every unexplored area, plus every threat token on the board. Also, the threat bar indicates where a next threat threshold will happen. Let's say, for example, in the scenario that we had, the total amount of threat we could get was 65, and our first threshold was marked on the bar at 15. We don't know what happened, but once we exceeded 15, we knew something bad was going to happen. Monsters were going to pop out. We possibly were going to take damage and have to do a, a damage check or a fear check. So we want to make sure our threat went up as slow as possible, which changed some decisions we made during the game. For example, there was one time we had monsters on the board. And we were thinking, well, we need to go kill these monsters. But as we looked around the map, some new areas of the map had popped up. And there were three new areas that were unexplored that would have added three threat at the end of the round, which would have exceeded the next threshold that we were heading towards. So as a group, we decided, you know what? Let's leave the monsters behind. We'll deal with them later. Let's go explore to make sure to not meet that first threat threshold. And we did that. So the threat changes how you think about the game and the decisions that you make but it's also an end game timer because as we were ending the scenario we would calculate all right well we're looks like we got uh, carry the one do a little bit of math real quick we have three rounds before this game is going to end that also changed some decisions we made it made us rush a little bit more maybe be a little more careless in some of the attacks we were making because we know we had to finish this up with three rounds or the game was going to end anyway so threat mitigation and the threat bar of this game is something that's that's new. Uh, Mansions of the Madness never really had a built-in timer. Some some of the scenarios would tell you, by the way, uh, your time's about to run out, but you never really know. At the beginning of this game, uh, Journeys of Middle Earth, you know exactly how much threat you have, and you can start doing some quick math to calculate how many rounds you think you have to finish this scenario. So threat management, very important part of the game, but it's something that I really like as it provides some nice in-game decisions you have to make plus an in-game clock. L.A. Crimes. It's amazing that Ignacy has put out that release already. Marty's got his hands on it. I do. I told Vanessa we need to put on some 80s clothes. I got my members only. She kind of looked at me and went, eh, I don't know. <laughs> so I don't know if that's going to happen or not. The other expansion is also here. Robinson. Yes. The Lost City of Z, baby. It's on pre-order now. It's going to be coming out later. But Tony, we got an early copy Ooh. and it's in your hands. I'm excited. Now I just got to find people to play Robinson with me. <laughs> it's one of those games. Everybody's like... That game's hard. It's not as hard as it used to be because there's a sunny day at the beach in it. That's right. I wonder I wonder if there's going to be staring at the gold on top of the temple card in the Lost City. I doubt it. This is, this is Ignacio. He ain't going to put that He's not going to make it that easy for you. So, no. oh, man. What else? We've seen some previews to his new Roll and Write game, which I'm sure will be up there with Castles of Burgundy. Oh, dude. Actually, when we played Castles of Burgundy, I was sitting there thinking, please let the Imperial Settlers be this natural progression from the board game to the dice game. Because if it is, 
Holy cow, I'm going to love it. Mm -hmm. And just to show how nice Ignacy is, I don't know if you saw it, but did you see him playing a role in right? And then he sang happy birthday to 425 Suzanne. Oh, that was so sweet. He's a great guy. He didn't sing happy birthday to us. We don't need people singing happy birthdays to us. We're old enough. Okay. We don't need to celebrate. So be sure to check it out over at portalgamesus.com. <laughs> I couldn't even remember it. I'm so used to the other one. Well, what is the old one? Portalgamesus.com. The old, old one is portalgames.pl slash en, but this is portalgamesus.com. That's right. So be sure to check it out. Go over there. Look for the link in the show notes. Wow, Tony, what an amazing segment of the Scurry Report talking about the Lord of the Rings. Wow. I mean, I could not believe we covered it in that such great depth. I can't either. The things that we said, mind-boggling. I mean, oh my gosh. It's like people understand exactly how this game works and and how we feel about it. It's it's like... It's like clarity. I could not believe that we were able to get as many of those games in scenarios that we did, but we we stuck to it. We had successes. Oh, I'm so happy that we got to play that. And that thing that Mark said, that was funny. That was so funny when he said that. Oh, Sometimes (laughs) uh, he just cracks me up. I swear. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So, But anyway, that was, that's right, the Lord of the Rings Fantasy Fight Games (laughs) Journey to Middle Earth. Middle Earth. (laughs) Did you just tickle yourself? Is that what the- I did tickle myself because again we had to play the chat and record it. Bunch of idiots. I swear. Oh, I've played it. I've played it multiple times, and now I'm sitting down with you guys and playing it multiple times. I cannot wait. In two nights, we're going to be playing this thing, and we're going to then later on we're putting together the the segment and recording it and talking about. It. Oh, wow! This is this is so funny because the timeline's really all screwed up. Uh, y'all asked me what I thought of this game. And I said, I'm not telling you anything, whether I like it or not. I just want you to experience for the first time yourself. And as you just heard in the segment, you can uh, hear what they all thought about it. And what you thought about it. <laughs> and what I thought about it. Because hopefully you'll tell us in that segment. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Oh, but, oh. Hey, Tony. Hey, Marty. Big episode coming up for us. It's our annual movie review episode called Screening, Streaming, or Steaming. We are going to be talking about the summer movies beginning with the very first one, Endgame, which comes out on April 25th. And I don't know if you heard, I couldn't get tickets, but I will have watched <laughs> it before then. But we Whoa, are, whoa, whoa, whoa. Is that a piece of licorice? Oh, at this? No, it's my, my twist tie for my um, cables. Oh, so I it was licorice. It beats me playing with uh, the whirly, spinny fidget spinner thing. You'd hear it on the mic going, <laughs> Yes, we would. But um, Chris Kurtman, Dan Patrice, our good buds, will be joining us again. I hope if all the scheduling happens and everything, it's always fun to try to get this to work. I can't wait to talk with these guys. They're so much fun. It's going to be fun. Hey, you got to get that list together. We got it. We got to do some research and stuff between now and then. The list is together. The list is together. Nice. All right, we got to vote on those movies and decide which which ones we're going to talk about because we can't talk about every movie. No, we can't. We we we, uh, we trim the list down to the, just the ones that we really care about, and that's what's important. 
what we care about. Uh, we collectively as a group, everybody kind of chimes in and says, here's the ones we want to talk about. And we call it down to that strictly 15 to 20 or whatever it is we pick. Yeah. More importantly, though, you need to get out Castles of Burgundy, the dice game, and keep rolling dice. And getting victory points? That's it. That's all you need to worry about. Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening. We would love some iTunes reviews as it really helps promote the show. And if you have any suggestions or thoughts on the show, you can email us at RollDiceTakeNames at gmail.com. I am so proud of you for not picking up on the things I was doing during the show. Uh, exactly. Exactly. In honor of, well, in honor of Peter Torque's passing, I was dropping monkey show title or song titles throughout the show. No, wait a minute. I did pick Last Train to Clarksville. I didn't know where that came I from. I gave that one to you, but I got Stepping Stone. I'm a believer. What? No. They're all in the front, and there's more in the scurry report. Now, so there's Easter eggs all through this thing I didn't even know about. You go, Valerie. <laughs> get into this segment on miniature market i gotta say tony i've been staring at you this entire episode did you know there's a big stain on your sweatshirt yes i did i dropped uh green beans that were in balsamic vinaigrette when i cooked tonight <laughs> and i knew there was Jeez. a stain and i just haven't oh, changed it out yet but then again we're not a video we're audio <laughs> that's a good thing because you look like a slob but what does look good is the drop over at the miniature market where each and Every day there is a game that comes out that starts out on sale and every day that it doesn't sell out, it gets cheaper and cheaper. And Tony, there's multiple games I've missed out on. There was another game I was going to go out and say, okay, this game is now cheap enough. I'm going to get it. Went out there, boom, it's gone. The day that I think about going to buy the game, I should have bought it the day before. So you have to keep an eye on the drop over at Miniature Market for the game that goes on sale that day, plus any previous games, but it's a gamble before it may sell out. You can go find out the drop and all the other amazing games they have over at miniaturemarket.com. Miniature Market.